Is this it? Yeah. I, I, it was a great game, I think, obviously. Uh, it shows you what this league is. I mean, you know, there's so many things that can come up, and then, the, you know, the overtime with <laughs> is, is really exciting. I mean, you know, we'd rather not have been in that, but, but they did a great job kicking a long field goal, and, um, you know, fourth and 15, coming back and tying the game. So it, it was a hard-fought game, uh, but I, th I still think we played, certainly we played well enough to win. And uh, I think this puts us in the playoffs, so that's, that, that was our first goal this season, was to get in the playoffs. First of all, man, just happy Easter, man. There's a lot to be thankful for. Um, disappointing um, in the sense that, uh, you know, we still haven't won a game here in San Antonio. That's been the frustrating part for me as a head coach, man. I, I know how passionate our fans are. Um, the support um, that they show week in and week out every time we come down here is just disappointing. Uh, I want to win not only for my players, but more for the fans than, than anything. Um, I'm very thankful and appreciative of the support that they come out and pay their hard-earned money uh, for us. Uh, just disappointing that we can't get a win at home. Um, hats off to Houston. Uh, they fought clawed all the way through the game. Um, it, was a, it was an exciting game. I know um, the hierarchy here and within our organization, the XFL, anytime it comes down to the wire and, and the new overtime rule, the new overtime rule was a first for all of us. So uh, uh, I love it because it's, it's, you know, every play counts in overtime. So, um, you know, they just act, execute it better than we did in overtime. and. Uh, I told the guys, man, to keep your head up. I mean, it hurts. It always hurts losing them. Uh, I, I would never get used to losing. Welcome to episode nine of the XFL Insider Podcast. Today you have your host Matthew and Drew in the house. We're going to discuss some XFL updates regarding last week as well as this week. Before we get right into the news and updates and game summaries, Drew, you got anything you want to share with the people at home? I'd just like to say that uh, Houston has clinched and uh, therefore we have no reason to continue clinching, at least until the playoff game. <laughs> Unclinch, Houston. Unclinch. <laughs> By virtue of being clinched, yes. Houston finally got the dub, so we are in the playoffs and ready to roll. It was a, a good game there, and we'll talk about it more later in the show. But I just want to share that I'm, I'm happy as you are, Drew. It makes watching the XFL much better when I know my team's making it. Yep, and gives them two weeks to figure things out, and I don't have to worry about it. And that they need to do, sir. That they need. Now, as we go forward, we don't have much with the news today. I, I really didn't feel like anything was relevant in terms of speaking points. 
Uh, we have our TV numbers, of course, but much like we've talked about in the past, those are going to fluctuate up and down. We are happy we've made it through the March season. It was rough, but it's over. Now, I wouldn't expect much different coming into April with the USFL starting and many other things going on amongst TV. But with our TV numbers, I think we're fine. I'm not going to break them down. If you want to look at them, check them out. They're online. Drew, what do you think? Um, I think numbers are probably going to drop a little bit just due to USFL. There's, I don't know, USFL, the one thing it really has on the XFL right now is a little bit more longevity. It's been around for two years now versus XFL this being its first season. The USFL already has several fan bases with pretty decent followings like Memphis, the Showboats, you know, uh, Birmingham, New Jersey was, I can't remember if New Jersey was the champion. I know it was New Jersey against Birmingham for the championship, but there's some established fan bases there. So it's going to, it's going to pull a little bit away from, from what the XFL is doing. If there's any competition for time slots there. So we'll see how it goes, but I expect it to, to dwindle a little bit in terms of viewership. That said, there's the potential that it doesn't just because we're closer to just because we're closer to the playoffs. So it should be, I don't know, I, bottom line, I don't know what to expect, but either way, it's not going to be bad. It's not like all of the viewers are going to jump to USFL or all of them are going to be on XFL. There's there's going to be some sort of split there. Speaking of the USFL, most of those games take place on Fox, correct? Yeah, so they have a they have a contract with Fox, just like XFL has with ESPN. So it'll be on Fox and their affiliates. Understood. So what that means to me is football galore come this weekend. Yep. Facts. I mean, if I count right, we should be looking at what uh, eight games in total. Yep. It means I can turn into a veg again and uh, watch all of them. Take them in do absolutely nothing with my life for two days it's uh, it's almost like it's regular football season (laughs) love to hear it drew i'm right there with you sir but we won't be doing that too much considering we'll be down in houston for the saturday 12 30 game that's true that'll be that'll be a lot better time than just sitting there doing nothing but i do still look forward to doing nothing after that actually i can't say nothing jalapeno poppers will be had share please share (laughs) (laughs) all right guys that's it for the news let's roll on to the game summaries so we had some good games this past weekend i was entertained people watching with me were entertained the whole thing was enjoyable Let's talk about the Vegas Vipers losing in overtime, 21-17 to the St. Louis Battlehawks. That game was in the Battle Dome in St. Louis. They had around 35,000 people in that game, and it was loud and rowdy. The game itself, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I thought there was a lot of good aspects on both ends, and considering McCarron was not starting and playing, I thought the backup did a decent job handling business. Drew, did you have any aspects or takes from this game that you wanted to discuss? Yeah, I'm not uh, 100% certain exactly how injured McCarron is. I don't know if he's out for an extended period or if they were just holding him out to be cautious. 
if they were holding them out to be cautious, they almost got they almost uh, got lost on their on their gamble there. The backup looked good against Houston when he came in for a few plays. It looked like he had command of the offense. Honestly, it looked like he had pretty much command of the offense this past weekend as well. But it wasn't as efficient as McCarron, obviously. I mean, he can't just come in and beat AJ, right? So, you know, they if they if they held AJ out as a precaution, then they almost they almost paid the price because there are a few bad calls away from losing that game in regulation, much less overtime. Yeah, from hearing uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks coach talk, it was more precautionary. He could have played and was feeling pretty good, but they wanted to hold him for the next game. I don't know if I agree with that as much, but hey, not the coach. Right. No, it was that was it was an interesting game. It, you know, I, I've been pretty high on Vegas in terms of their offense, at least for most of the year. Just uh, in terms of of their potential. And it seems like they got a quarterback that's kind of unlocked a little bit of that. So, you know, it's fun to see an offense finally come alive. It's a little bit like watching Orlando come alive the, the past several weeks. Uh, not not mentioning this week, uh, you know, in that, because that would make me look wrong, which we all know I'm not. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no, but, I mean, we've all had fun watching Orlando come around. And I think it's just as fun watching Vegas come around and making a game out of out of that while they're in St. Louis in the Battle Dome and it's going crazy. Thirty five thousand plus fans, man. That was just a good game to watch. I don't, the it sucks that there was some officiating faux pas there, but you know it is what it is. Sports are always going to have that. You're never going to completely get rid of them. The XFL, you know, tries its best to be. I mean, tries its best to be impartial and and to communicate and be transparent. It comes off it comes off weird sometimes when the when those bad calls get made. So uh, I think that's something that we have to live with. And you know, there's there's always going to be people that are that are claiming, oh, this is scripted or this was you know the XFL put the buzzer in Dean Blandino's pocket and made him say this or you know whatever. People are always going to say stuff like that. I think this is about as close as you're going to get to strictly officiated and consistent officiating. So take the bad calls for what they are and live with them and move forward. But this was a very entertaining game. Right there with you. Entertainment galore. Um, You know, the calls at the end kind of rubbed me wrong. But then again, it's sports. That's what happens. I will say that. I was impressed by Vegas, their level of play throughout the game, not giving up. They took advantage of that second string quarterback. They definitely they got a couple picks off of him. They they ate his lunch a little bit there during the game. I, I would have <clears throat> I would have paid paid a lot of money to see that final conversion on that overtime go down to who was going to be the winner though. That would have really been what what clicked me in as a fan. Yep, absolutely. And I feel like man, Vegas. It, I'll say it again. I, you know, I was just impressed with them going into the battle dome and and hanging in there. Honestly, even with a backup quarterback, because they've it's not like they're prolific or anything. They have figured some things out in, on offense. But look at look at what having that little bit of offense has done for their defense. Like their defense was able to hold a, an explosive 
St. Louis offense, even though even though it's explosive more in terms of being methodical, you know, 20 plus yard plays, but nothing, you know, 40, 40 yards plus usually. Yeah, but, they held they held up good up uh, up until that where the, the fake punt, um, the 64 right. yard touchdown. I was very impressed, but that that was a good play as well. So, yeah, that was a perfect play calling in time. Tiano went 19 for 34 with 194 yards. He had one touchdown and two interceptions. Yeah, I mean, it's about all you can ask of a of a backup quarterback. You hope that he's going to have a two to one touchdown to interception ratio, not a one to two. But you can't be upset with him. I mean, he came in. He's he's playing against. You know, it's not a college defense he's playing against. He's playing against former professionals and current professionals or not current professionals, but current semi-pros, this is going to be a lot harder than what it was in college. So we look at half the other quarterbacks in the XFL and, and wonder, you know, where people found them, especially if they're on Orlando's roster. But, it, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's not easy to be a quarterback at any level. It's not. So, Kudos for what he was able to do. He passed for 200 yards. That means he was able to keep the, the offense moving, generally speaking, uh, enough to offset the run game and let them have a little bit of success in that. So, you know, he, he was efficient He, uh, in terms of keeping the offense moving. So you, you can't really fault him for much. No doubt. Any other notice, noticeable or notable people you want to talk about before we move on from this game? Not particularly. I don't think anybody really had a huge standout crazy performance in this game. I think it was just a whole bunch of guys putting in work like you would expect, you know, in in general when you have a team, you expect everybody to contribute. And I think really for both sides, it was one of those games where everybody contributed. It wasn't just one person carrying the weight of the team. Yeah, with that win for the Battle Hawks, it eliminated the Vegas Vipers from playoff contention. So they are officially out of the postseason with the Orlando Guardians. (laughs) (laughs) Saying that, I was still impressed by their level of play. They're not giving up. They knew the probability of winning that game was low, but they still tried. And so that's all you can ask for as a fan or a coach. Yep, just make it entertaining. Don't make it don't make it boring and get blown out all the time. So the next game we want to discuss was a a great entertaining one. <laughs> the Orlando Guardians took on the Arlington Renegades. Arlington visited Orlando. Arlington won eighteen sixteen. Uh, that game was better than what I thought it was, but it wasn't very good either. So. Drew, what do you think? I was about to say you went you went one for two on on your descriptors there because great was not something I would use to describe this game. <laughs> turn. I mean, we actually got some points scored. I was happy about those points scored. If we can get a anything but a three six or a three three, I'm it's it's more entertainment. <laughs> well, you knew there was going to be points scored because Orlando is not the same Orlando as before. And Luis Perez was now going to come in. Now, granted, Luis Perez looked looked like a bag of smashed, you know what? Uh, <laughs> you know he he was not efficient really whatsoever. Kudos to him for coming in and being a a leader and trying to get the guys hyped up at halftime. But I mean, it was bad. Quentin Dormady had a I mean he ungracefully fell back to earth. From the very first throw, you could just tell that. So this, I kind of compare this to how Cole McDonald was against the 
against the Battle Hawks two weeks ago for Houston. From the very first throw, he just was not. It was not happening. Right. He. It just was inaccurate. There was no. It. You couldn't tell if there was any reading. Any reason. You couldn't tell if. If he just was bad. You know, for somebody who was a first-time watcher, if they watched that game, first question would have been, why am I wasting my time with this product? Right, Because it really looked like... (laughs) I mean, honestly, if we're going to be honest, it it was like if I'm watching that for the first time, I'm thinking, oh, this is not going to last. I mean, you're definitely pulling teeth with that game. That was the field goal game of the week. (laughs) I mean, offensive efficiency be damned. There were there were two good defenses on the field, but holy crap, the offenses couldn't do anything. And you know, I'll give Dormady some credit. He had his team in it till the very end. He was, uh, you know, towards the end of the game, he started moving the ball a little bit, and he was able to do a little bit better. But he he was getting sacked in the quick game. He would finally have time, and then he would throw it off target, or he would drop back and hold on to the ball and get sacked, which led to two or three turnovers in and of itself in that scenario. You know, it was just horrible to watch. But a lot of people gave Terrell Buckley a hard time for his decision to go for, for what was it? He went for one to yep, put it to where they could. Agree. Yeah. So for perspective, Orlando is one of the worst teams in the XFL at extra point conversions. They hadn't completed a three-point conversion much less attempted one, if I'm not mistaken, the entire season. So it didn't seem like it was a, a highly successful play. So what he did was he went for one to put him within two points and then went for the kickoff and trusted his defense to get the ball back. And if the defense got the ball back, then all they needed was a field goal. They were 10 or 15 yards away from being out on a field goal attempt to end the game. If Dormady doesn't get sacked and fumble the ball like a, like he had done, you know, twice already in the game, then, you know, we might be talking about Orlando squeaking one out. So, you know, I, I, w- I would like to give a shout out to, to Coach Buckley and, you know, acknowledge him and in, in the fact that he knew his team and he made the correct decision in the moment. You know, we, we can what if all day. You know, if if ifs and buts were fruits and nuts, it'd be Christmas every day, right? The idea that Terrell Buckley is a bad coach, I think that's that seems like it's. I think that ship is sailed. I think Terrell Buck, Terrell Buckley is a decent coach. Won't go out on a limb and say that I think he's great by any means, but he's he is an efficient coach and he knows his team and he knows what he needs to get his team to do. And I think he's made small adjustments all year that have moved to that end. Bad game, bad product, but at the same time, if you've been watching all season, then you may have kind of expected something like this. So it may have taken the edge off of the off of how bad it was. Both fans of this franchise definitely expected this. (laughs) 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 I mean, I'm just I'm just being honest with you. Everybody here knew it was happening. And that's why I said I was impressed with the amount of points scored. Because, my God, I thought it was going to be all field goals. I thought we were going to have 12 field goals apiece and then half of those missed on each side. Yep. So, I mean, I'm right there with you, though. I'm impressed by the, the level that Orlando has been able to pick it up. Being the worst doesn't mean you have to play the worst, and they've shown that. So much respect to them and their coaching staff uh, along this journey so far. This one was on ABC, right? 
if I'm not Here. mistaken, yeah. So it's like XFL. Pick better games to put on ABC. Please. <laughs> Please. Or no, this one, I think this one was on ESPN. I think we had. This was, was ESPN it, itself? Yeah, it, was, it was back-to-back ESPN on Saturday. and then That's it what it was. Yep. For Houston and who they play? San Antonio. And then it was ESPN2 for D.C. Yeah, regardless, it's almost the same. Pick better games. I mean, (laughs) I want to be able to brag when I'm out watching this stuff with my gear on. I want to be able to hype it up. I don't want to have to say, hey, let's watch them win this game by another field goal. I'll say that, too. I went out. I've been seeing it on TV as, as as, as I go, go out and eat, go out and do things. I've noticed that it has been on. At places when it's easy to find. Yep. Yeah, if it's not on FX, usually it's on on somewhere like a Buffalo Wild Wings or something like that. Yep. So, yeah, the game itself, Orlando had it until Dormady fumbled the ball there at the end. I believe they would have pulled off the win. Eh, That's just my opinion. So, let's talk about our next game and our favorite team. The Houston Roughnecks took on the San Antonio Brahmas. The Roughnecks won in overtime, 17 to 15, and we we took it down to the end. It was very very entertaining. Drew, what you got? It shouldn't have been. <laughs> I've, so I've got it. It really shouldn't have been. I've got I've got two two things here that I want to do. First, I want to give props to San Antonio and Coach Coach Hines Ward in that they never stop fighting in any game that they're in. They're always in it. They're always giving their best. They're always doing things to to kind of try and change the landscape of what's happening, especially if it's going wrong, and do things better or do different things since they're not doing whatever that thing was uh, very well. They're very good at adjusting. With that said, on the opposite side of the ball for Houston, their play calling and the idea behind their offense has been atrocious. So I'll give you I'll give you exhibit A of what really kind of set me off personally with watching how Houston conducted themselves on Sunday right before the half Houston just got an interception first thing they do and so so they've got if I'm not mistaken they have one timeout left they've got 20 or 30 seconds and they just throw a ball up down the downfield they just take a deep shot instead of trying to work the field trying to get into field goal range go up a few more points at halftime they just give the ball back on a deep ball. It was it was an interception. What are you, what are we doing to put ourselves in better positions with our play calling? It seems like we're always going for the jugular even in situations where it doesn't call for it. Now I'm not saying we should have gone, you know, c- completely conservative and held the ball, run it, run time down, all that stuff, right? Obviously we would have had to pass the ball to get down there. But throwing a ball deep down the field into double coverage. And on top of that, it's not even a good throw. The idea of that really just blows my mind. I don't understand the play calling at times. This has been an issue since week three at San Antonio or with at Houston when San Antonio came to town, when Houston in the third quarter got really, really conservative. It came down to a goal line stand basically to keep the game from being tied. And really since that game, Houston hasn't been the same. Their offense has been, it's not been dominant. Yeah, I've, I've blamed it on the loss of John Trey Kirkland, but more and more that I watch, it, it, a lot of it's play calling too. 
you're taking shots against defenses that are looking to take the top off of off of the offense. You're not really taking what's underneath. The first slant that I recall seeing completed was by Cole McDonald on the two point conversion that won us the game. So I don't know. It it really just kind of blows my mind sometimes what we're doing on offense. I know we want to be aggressive. I know we want to score. I know we want to take shots. But sometimes that's just not what your offense is. And ever since John Trey Kirkland left, that's not what the Houston offense has been. It's rough to watch. From the beginning when we were busting these big plays to now we're not busting anything. It's hard. God for our defense. Yes. They really really come through and shine a light of hope. Trent Harris, Jack Heflin, Devontae Beckett had a hell of a game. Good God, he was everywhere. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Multiple I mean, there's there's for lost, couple sacks. There's many names that I could spout from that defense that I'm impressed by. Yep. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it's it's questionable of our play calling. It's almost since we played Seattle, we're kind of scared. Or we're we're not we're not playing the same football we played the first few weeks. Yeah, maybe that's just my it's opinion. Not that they're scared. It's it, it's the it's the different brand of football, and it's not actually it's not even that. It's I think it's being overconfident in who you are. You have to know who you are as an offense. You have to know what you do well and what you don't do well. Ever since John Trey Kirkland left, we haven't thrown the deep ball well. So you know he's injured. We've got to move on. We've got to revolutionize how we do things. Let's take what the defense gives us and quit with the over the top attempts. Like yes, you have to take one or two per game. Or, or three or four per game, rather, to to really make sure that the defense actually respects it and see if you can't fall, catch them falling asleep. But when you're up by three and you have plenty of time to move down the field to get a field goal, that's not one of the times that you do that. Yeah, no doubt. The, the second half of this game, if I remember right, no points were scored except by yep. the San Antonio Brahmas, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, it was hard to watch. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we won, but Lord have mercy. It was rough. Um, it's tough. Yeah, but uh, it didn't look as bad as the Orlando and Arlington game, so that was good. No, sir. But coming into playoffs, we definitely want to be at our best. If we started our worst, it's not going to be too good. Right. I was excited Cole McDonald got a little more comfortable. He seemed like he got a little more comfortable in his position and, and his duties. I mean, he threw a strike to- on that slant. Yeah, that was yeah. about as perfect of a throw as you can get. I'll tell you another thing I noticed is those QBs are taking some waylay shots in the backfield. They don't always show them on TV, but these guys are getting knocked out sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Silver's literally said in the pre- in the postgame presser, he pretty much subbed himself out. He was like, look, Cole McDonald usually does the two-point stuff for us. It's like, I got a little banged up. They got to me on the first two-point conversion attempt. So I was like, it's probably better that Cole goes in. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I'll say before we move on, the Brahmas, they came up, they scored, they kicked a field goal, they tied it up, they wanted the win. <sighs> there were many, many aspects in this game watching the Brahmas that I question their coaching, though. And I'm not going to get into it specifically, but there were multiple avenues where I was questioning, what the hell are you doing? Why are you calling that? I mean, there's many. Yeah, well, I mean, even even Heinz Ward was... I think he was quoted exactly as saying, we're getting sacked in the quick game. How? Because <laughs> quick game throws are supposed to be two steps and let go of the ball. And if you're already getting sacked by, before you get the ball out, then something bad is happening. So, uh, I mean, there's only so much you can do in coaching. 
And that's why I mentioned kind of in my breakdown there that they they did enough to adjust away from that. Now, Houston played a part with penalties and, and you know, egregious kind of stupid, stupid penalties on defense. But San Antonio all season has had to make adjustments based on that type of thing, and they've done a good job of it. Well, my example, we'll just we'll talk about it real quick, was I think it was the first quarter, maybe three, four minutes, maybe not even that into the game, Hans Ward challenged a penalty. Oh, Do you yeah. remember seeing this? Yeah, that was the hands to the face or the face mask or something like that. Now, we, didn't, we weren't on a fourth down. We weren't on a key conversion. We weren't doing anything to change the actual play of the game, and we use our challenge then for that. So that that was just one of my examples of me questioning uh, that I don't really understand that. And personally, you could tell from watching on TV. I mean, he was he was about that. That was his penalty. So. Yeah. Well, uh, not the penalty or the uh, challenging thing is something that really not a lot of the coaches have gotten a good grasp of. I think I think Coach Becht has done a good job with it. Houston definitely hasn't done a good job with it. They've been terrible about the about the penalties and challenges. Agreed on both those. Orlando's tried a couple of times. Vegas has tried and succeeded a couple of times. But I think I think Coach Becht in St. Louis has done the best job with the challenge situation. The idea behind it is new. The function of it is new, and coaches are hesitant to give up that timeout because timeouts are so valuable, right? So. Especially when you have conservative style coaches like Coach Coach Phillips, he values the timeout more than he does a drive usually because that timeout could come in handy down the road if your defense you know stands up. So all the coaches they've got their rhymes and reasons for either doing it and or not doing it, but it is a new mechanism and it's something that is gonna each coach is gonna have to grow into using. Ten four. Uh, before we move on, Jake has entered the chat. Jake, how are you today? Well, let's just say this past week has just been complete chaos. You know, and they, the the severe thunderstorms from the past couple of weeks have really had my uh, sinuses in overdrive, and it's still somewhat on the up. You know, actually recovering, but knowing that hits allergy season, it's just going to be a nightmare this year. The mold count in Missouri and Illinois is no joke. Yeah, I'll stay south where I don't have to worry about that. Thank you. <laughs> well, Jake, did you have anything to add on um, that game, the Orlando Guardians versus the Brahmas? Anything before we move on? Unfortunately, I think the only game I actually watched this weekend was Vipers Battlehawks. So I'm probably not going to be very good on analyzing any of this this week. Understood. Understood. Uh, we've already talked about the Battlehawks, but once we hit back into it on game previews, I'm sure you'll have enough enough there to take it take it from there. Is there anything you want to add about the the game from last week with St. Louis before we move on? You can add. You know, we we'll just. Quickly. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could. I know it kind of takes things out of order, but I mean, you just do what you got to do. You make your executive decisions there. Um, I really think that this was a real nail biter. I know some of my colleagues at Ambush Sports might disagree with the outcome, but for, um, I mean, it is what it is. It, things happen, had to go to overtime. 
For some reason, I do think that the uh, offensive uh, uh, pass interference call on one of the attempted conversions in overtime by uh, on uh, Vegas was actually justified. I mean, if you look at all the angles, even after the fact, when the game is over with, thank goodness for DVR where you can watch that stuff over and over and over again to your heart's desire until you're blue in the face. Um I mean, without a doubt, I should say, uh, I mean, there was obvious past interference there. So, I mean, it, it, that, I think the right call was made there on determining that, that one was no good. And then, of course, you go from there and St. Louis makes most, uh, both of their conversions and then Vegas misses their second conversion. I do, I will admit, I do like the best two out of three format. It reminds me of the best of five scenario when it comes to a shootout in soccer. So I love these shootout rules and the fact that uh, Battlehawks Vipers had to be the first one in league history. Even if you're going all the way back to the first iteration, first time in all history that it's gone to overtime, but played under these rules i i like it and the fact that this wasn't the only game this weekend that actually went in overtime considering houston san antonio also went in overtime i just like to see how this is exercised in the future going forward yeah to add on to that i think i feel the same way about it the the shootout style uh, i like that they kept it to three and didn't do five uh, keeps it more punctuated, keeps the fans on the edge of their seat for the entirety of it. If it does need to extend past three, then, you know, they go past three, whatever, until they have a winner. So going back and forth like they do and having it be from the five yard line rather than from the two or the 10, I think they hit the nail on the head as far as the, the rules go. I think the production on the first overtime game was kind of marred a little bit or the system was kind of marred a little bit by like it or not controversy over over the calls you know whether they were right or wrong people still got upset there was controversy over it the the like i said the product was kind of marred a little bit by that but i think between that and the houston san antonio overtime i think the rules of overtime really shone through and honestly I think that's a far superior product to even what the NFL has as overtime. I don't think I think it it punctuates the the playing period. It means you have less in, less injuries due to fatigue. Really it's a net positive all the way around. I think I think that that's something that the NFL in the future could honestly should adopt whether or not they do to be quite honest, I don't really care. Uh, the XFL I think has it right. In this one, they've got it right on a couple of things when it comes to player safety, uh, but overtime is is just another another iteration of that or another another uh, proof of that, so to speak. Yep, Love both takes. I agree with both of y'all. But the the format itself is exciting, with the exception of those calls. It it reminds you almost of a uh, hockey shootout. So yep. uh, it's very enjoyable. I hope that we don't see calls be the basis of the results of, of these overtime games. So, cause it really just sucks the fun dry. Yep. Okay. So then we just, we just discussed the overtime and as well as St. Louis battle Hawks just a little bit since Jake came in late, let's go into the DC defenders. 
They took down the Seattle Sea Dragons 34 to 33. That game was in Seattle. It didn't look like there was that, that there was that many people present, but man, it was loud on TV. A lot louder than I thought it was going to be. This game itself, I will say, in my opinion, was the best of the week. I enjoyed it. All aspects of it. So, what do you guys think? I mean, it had everything. It had points scored. It had defensive plays made. It had deep shots taken and made. It had Ben DiNucci interception. It had Ben DiNucci dropping many, many F-bombs. Yep. I mean, th- this was the game to watch if you are if you were new to the XFL this weekend. Temamu had a great game. He threw four passing touchdowns, and I don't think he had an interception the whole game, and that's good for him because he's threw a few this season. All in all, D.C. looks like a stellar team, and then we knew Seattle did as well. Yeah, if, I'm not 100% sure what happened last week when they played Orlando, but, man, it's going to take a lot to knock D.C. off that high horse this year. I don't I don't know that there's a team that's capable of doing it. To be honest, maybe the only team that is capable of doing it probably is is Seattle. That's going to be that's going to be determined, though, really by a game that is played between Seattle and St. Louis. Is that this week? That's not this week. That's next week, isn't it? Uh, Jake. No, that's the, uh, this week. St. Louis and Seattle matchup. Yeah, St. Louis, Seattle. That's correct. That's Sunday, the sixth on the sixteenth. Yes, sir. That's this okay. week. So yeah, that's. I mean, that's going to determine who's who's probably going to end up going against DC. I would imagine. Man, DC's just far and away the best team in the league. They are. They've had a little slip up against Orlando, but they don't have the same proneness to throwing interceptions or turning the ball over or anything like that that some of the other teams do they don't have a whole lot of questions on offense they've got very few questions on defense their special teams is pretty decent it's hard to see anybody really taking them down yeah i'm not sure that they can be taken down at this point if they do is it just a fluke they have a bad day I mean, when it comes to playoffs, if you have a bad day, then that's it for you. You know, you can't really lay claim to anything after that. So for them, the biggest two games of the year are going to be the two playoff games. For Seattle, I think the game against D.C. on on Sunday was the biggest game of the year for them. They needed that, and they came up just short. Now, that was a game that came down to the very end, and it was very – they ended up going for two when they were down by one and missing it, and then trying to go for the 4th the and 15. But, you know, that's that's just decision-making as far as the coach goes. That's that's something that, you know, if, if you had an offense like Seattle, you probably would feel comfortable in doing that as well. I don't have any problem with them making that decision. It made the game far more entertaining uh, in, in a game that was already, you know, high highly entertaining i mean like i said if you're if you're a new watcher and you watch that game you know congratulations you just you just witnessed the height of the xfl uh, this season there's been a couple of games like that you know seattle was involved in a couple of them their game against uh, las vegas in week three was you know nuts to watch so i think both of those teams are very good uh, seattle and dc and i think you may have seen a preview of the playoff game Honestly, that's just my opinion. DC against St. Louis, but there is a game to play uh, Seattle against St. Louis, and that's going to have some, uh, you know, obviously the battle squawks are going to have something to say about that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Ben DiNucci, he was the first player 
in XFL history this season with over 2,000 yards of passing. So good job there, Ben. My question is, who's going to be MVP, him or A.J. McCarron? To me, it shouldn't even be a question. That's got to be A.J. I'm voting your your way as well. Who knows? But that, Danucci's that, got too many interceptions to me in that conversation. I think I think AJ's the runaway MVP. No doubt, no doubt. I know a lot of Seattle fans that will want to argue with you, though. Well, that's fine. They're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> They're allowed to argue and be wrong. Yep. <laughs> you got anything to add, Jake? Before we move on, I think I just did. <laughs> All right, so that's it on our game summaries. Once again, it was a good weekend of games. In my opinion, it, it was one of the most enjoyable. Uh, being able to watch the games back-to-back as well was something I enjoyed also. So hopefully we keep it up. As we go into the game previews, I just want to state, and for everyone that's listening, keep in mind all games are shown on ESPN Plus as well. So that's the app. We don't state that always, but you can find all games on there if you have that subscription. All right, so let's talk about some game previews. First up, we got the Vegas Vipers versus the Houston Roughnecks. That game is Saturday, April 15th at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, and it is on ABC. That's an early game. Drew and I will be in attendance. Looking forward to this one as it will be the Houston Roughnecks' last regular series home game. Drew, what's your expectations for it? Are we going to look at an actual game with the Vipers, or are we going to run over them? No, it'll be an actual game, uh, unfortunately. I think really looking at looking at who Houston is now, uh, taking into account their kind of play-calling inefficiencies, we'll call it, and looking at what Vegas has found and the fact that they can actually score on offense, Houston's going to actually have to try to beat them. It's not, this is not going to be a walkover win. Uh, Houston's favored by six and a half at home with a over under a 43 and a half. The obviously Vegas knows something that we don't, because I don't think Houston is going to win by six and a half, seven points over anybody for the rest of the season. I think Houston has only tough games in front of them unless they change drastically in play calling. So looking at six and a half, I'm not I'm not looking at Houston to cover that. I'd probably take Vegas and over under forty three and a half. I'm looking at probably the under. I think we're looking at most likely it'll I think scoring wise, it probably could be something like the Orlando and Arlington game. Just with touchdowns and not field goals you know 18 to 16 or 20 to 18 or something like that i don't think that they get to 43 and a half 44 points in this game i'll mess with the over under on this yeah this is going to be under for sure in my opinion uh as in terms of the the spread uh, or the money line i don't really want to mess with it being houston's team i don't want to i've been disappointed too many times already <laughs> It is what it is. Now, I'll tell you, if Houston doesn't come out ready for Jalen McClendon, there's going to be some issues. He had a yep. good game last week. He's he's a stud. The guy's ready to play. He's not Luis Perez. He's moving. He's, he's jiving. He's throwing the ball. 
So I think we'll be okay with our defense as far as I'm concerned to shine through this game. Anybody, any names that we haven't seen? Not particularly. Well, I guess I, guess I can't say that. I think Houston's run game may actually show up again this week. I think it's, you know, Max Borgie, Bryson Aline, Deja Lee. I think those three guys are probably going to have pretty decent combined day. You know, Houston has, has outside of the first three games, Houston's pretty much been running back by committee. I think after Max Borgie got clipped up a little bit against San Antonio, they, they kind of tried to rotate a lot more. Uh, the idea that, I think St. Louis really had a decent time on the ground. Uh, what's, your, what's y'all's running back's name, Jake? Is it Brian Hill? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that so, would be correct. Yeah, so, you know, Brian Hill had a pretty decent day uh, on the ground. I think Vegas really has been run on pretty much all year. Uh, D.C. exposed them a little bit with, with De'Eric King, but even when it's not a quarterback, I think Vegas has been weak against the run pretty much all year, so... You know, I look for Houston's running backs to have a pretty decent game. I don't necessarily expect it to be high scoring, though. Understood. Yeah, I expect the Houston defense to play up. May not happen, but after last week, they should have a, a good game their way. Yeah. Jake, how do you feel about the six and a half point favorites for Houston and the over under 43 and a half? I think uh, I'm just going to stay out of that one. I wouldn't touch the action <laughs> on that with a 10-foot electrified hill. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, th- yeah, the spread on this one, I probably would not. I don't know. I, I, like I said, I'd probably go against the spread on this one, and then I really don't see a whole lot of points being scored. But watch, I'll be wrong. Yeah, it's unpredictable sometimes. I know we've we'll get our our stuff going and our thoughts and opinions, and then we'll watch the game and all that shit goes out the water. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we ready to move on to our next game? <clears throat> next game is the Orlando Guardians versus the San Antonio Brahmas. That game is Saturday, April fifteenth at seven p.m. Eastern. It's on ESPN two. <sighs> this should be a good one, guys. Are y'all ready? Are we excited? <laughs> I think there's a lot more to be excited about in this one than there is than there was for Orlando and Arlington. Uh, I don't see Orlando being as bad as they were last week on offense. San Antonio is going to have a little bit better chance to win in this one. They are San Antonio are one and a half point favorites right now, wow. and the over under is thirty nine and a half. Hmm. Yeah, that's tough because or. San Antonio has no offense. Orlando may or may not have offense. And Vegas is basically saying, yeah, we don't know who's going to win. <laughs> Seriously, that's, I mean, if it's, if it's anything less than a three-point three favorite uh, for the home team, then it, or if it's in within three points, then they just don't know. <laughs> Gauging from what we know, we know that the Brahmas are going to have a tough time scoring unless they're kicking field goals. The Guardians, on the other hand, have had some successful times recently and explosive successful times where they score when you least expect it. Yep. And even even last week, they still scored 16 points, you know, by after turning the ball over five times. So they have the ability to score points. That's not a question. Yeah, so I wouldn't go with the spread on this. Personally, 
As far as the over-under, that's going to be under for sure. And I'm... Man, I would bet on the last game before I bet on this game, just to be honest with you. <laughs> I kind of feel the same way. I think Orlando wins outright, so that's where my money would be. And I would probably play the under, honestly, on this one as well. Yeah, I would say the under. I just don't know who I would say is going to win. With These two teams, they're just swapping back and forth, so I'm not even sure. Yeah, it's kind of a squabble. Yep, I like Orlando just because of our previous talks. So I'm going to say Orlando on this. And I want to say that... They're going to win by at least a touchdown. What do you think, Jake? I think just like the last one, this is just action that I'm not I'm not interested in because <laughs> it's it's a this situation is about as ugly as when Orlando went up against uh, Vegas, and yeah, that that's a big oof. I mean. Even if I had attempted to take any action on this, I hope that ill shocks me because it, it'd be it'd be a bad bet. Yeah, so, I mean that's all I can say on this game. Yeah, you're basically a coin flip with with who wins this one. But if I if I had to put my money on anybody, it would probably be Orlando just because they've shown the ability to score. Understood. Mm, I wish we could swap the. Houston game for the night game with San Antonio. <laughs> I, That's just me. I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not willing to put Houston in public view quite yet. <laughs> I have concern. Well, we'll be there, sir. So we're going to be there front and center. Hopefully, they put beer in the media fridge again. We may need it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, before you we probably, move on. You guys are probably going to need a lot stronger stuff than beer, I'll tell you that. Yeah, that may be facts. spirits out. Anything else before we move on, fellas? Nah, hit us with the next one. Okay, we got the Arlington Renegades versus the D.C. Defenders. That game is Sunday, April 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern, and it is on ESPN. That game is in D.C., um, should be a good one for those fans there, and we should all expect what's going to happen here. But hell, they played Orlando in the Twisted South, so who knows? What you think, Jake? Honestly, I don't know what to expect. I mean, obviously, I would love to see the second loss of the season for DC, but they're on their home turf, so it's just it's going to be difficult. Um, but I mean, if Something in that playbook that hasn't been used by Arlington somehow leads in that direction. I then I say you know it you should you should have uh, brought out those pl- plays weeks ago uh, because you wouldn't be languishing in the position you are ranking in the not only in the power rankings but also you know your overall standings. Uh, so if there's something that gets magically gets pulled out of the co- coach's ass uh, when it comes to plays that haven't been used at all this season, and they can push it the situation to where you know it may be within points of DC. I mean, as you can tell, DC probably had the worst performance of the year as far as point differential with their opponents because if you look at it, Seattle had them 
down to a point. And, I mean, it could very well be this scenario where it's held down to a point, but it won't be a point in favor of D.C. It could potentially be a point in favor of Arlington. And if that's the case, then Arlington manages to pull an upset and gives D.C. their first loss at home. Anything can happen in football. I except for that. <laughs> no, uh, honestly, <laughs> Arlington's defense has been fantastic this year. They've been over the moon good. They basically won them the game against Orlando last week. Uh, their defense had, did. I don't see them faring the same way against DC. DC's way too good on offense, I think, to be slowed down entirely. I don't think that Arlington has the ability to score more points in any shape, form, or fashion than D.C. D.C. would have to throw probably three pick sixes for for Arlington to outscore them. Like It, it would have to be an all-time bad performance by the D.C. defenders for them to lose to Arlington, I think. Vegas odds have the defenders eight-and-a-half point favorites at home and a 41-and-a-half over-under for that game. So they're they they don't seem too bullish on Arlington. They seem pretty damn bullish on on DC for good reason. I would I'm always for an upset. I think it would be cool to see Arlington win against DC. It would add some it would add a lot more high drama to the to the remaining matchup for Houston against Arlington next week and more so in the playoffs. You know, it would be cool to see happen. I just don't see it happening. So eight, eight and a half points at home. I think DC covers that. They're probably going to win by a couple of possessions. Uh, this is the, I think this game is probably going to hit the over as well for 41 and a half. Uh, and DC will probably have most of those points. Actually, no, I think this is going to hit the under. More Now that I think about it, I think the under is going to hit because Arlington may not score at all. <laughs> Uh, Before I even uh, remark on the lines, let's just say, hey, script writers at XFL, I think we were giving you an idea to play off of here. (laughs) (laughs) But as far as the lines, what is it with this week with the first three games so far where none of the lines look even remotely attractive to me? I mean... That's probably the first time this year where I've had three consecutive games not even be remotely appetizing for me. And I'm sure that's probably the case for some others out there because I know it's not just me. So, I mean, I can't I can't take any action on this at all. <laughs> I agree with the lines. They're a little disappointing. I'll take the fenders on this, on the spread. Uh, as far as the over-under... Let's just say I'll take the the under as well. Just, I mean, oh, oh no, Perez may come out and start swinging. I, hell, I'll take the over. I'm gonna take the over. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I was saying though. If, if Perez comes out and he's ready to play, I think we'll have a better game than what we think. 
that DC defense is middle tier. It's not the greatest. It's not the worst. And they play really good at home. So, I don't know, man. I'm hoping for something here, but you guys are probably right. I'm probably just reaching. I think sky's the limit for Arlington, and unfortunately for them, the sky happens to be right around 12 points. (laughs) (laughs) So essentially what you're saying, Matthew, is uh, they uh, play like a bunch of mids. I mean, yeah, but that could be worse. And considering Perez just got shipped over, they're they're doing better with Perez than what they did with the other two guys they had. If you're speaking of the DC defense, yeah, they're definitely mid tier. They're not they're not high tier. They're not the worst, but they're not the best. Let's see. I seen a stat right here. Da, 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 da. The defenders defense has given up uh, 36 points to the Guardians and then 33 points to the Sea Dragons in the last two weeks. That's pretty significant considering it's the Guardians. They've been DC's been dealing with some injuries on defense. Uh, Mike Joseph has been injured for several weeks now. I think he came back last week, or the yeah he came back and played on Sunday. But I think there's question as to how healthy he is. I think he's kind of toughing it out and running the home stretch for DC. Trying to keep the troops rallied on defense. Really, he's their big playmaker. So, uh, with him around, I think their defense is better. But you're, I think you're right. Their their defense is not all that great. Before we leave it behind, guys, anything else you want to share on it? <clears throat> Don't believe so. All right. Let's talk about our last game, the Seattle Sea Dragons versus the St. Louis Battlehawks. That game is in St. Louis. Is that correct, Jake? That is correct at the Battle Dome. And it takes place on Sunday, April 16th at 3 p.m. Eastern, and it is on ESPN. I'm ready for this one. It should be a good one. What you got, Jake? Our local Battlehawks expert. You know what what, uh, I almost would have hoped we would have had just to discuss this game? (laughs) Having our resident uh, Seattle guy here, uh, apparently <laughs> it wasn't available. Uh, but um, I mean, I could definitely um, see that this could be a um, rather close game, you know, compared to their last matchup. Uh, the outcome of which direction that win may go toward is going to be a little bit difficult to tell. Um, I'm sure that McCarron will definitely be back at quarterback next, you know, this coming weekend because, uh, you know, McCarron put himself out on a, a week where he wasn't exactly a hundred percent. So, you know, he should be well rested and ready to go and, you know, knock a, Seattle off its little high horse or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but, I mean, I could see it, it could be a good game regardless of the outcome. Obviously, I'd want St. Louis to make their second consecutive win at home. You know, like in, just in this final three-week stretch. Uh, so, and the fact that right now they're... Uh, 
two and one at home at the Battle Gnome. I mean, that's a statistic that can't be ignored right now. So hopefully, if they can make it three and one, uh, there. I mean, it, there is a very good a, a possibility that could be the case. But then again, you know, the final home stand this season is against Orlando, and <laughs> I mean, n- not a whole lot can be said about that one. Upset alert. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I mean, it should be a good one. This is going to be a nice one, considering McCarran's coming back from his little vacation. Now, I will say this is for second place of the North, right? Isn't that correct? I believe that is the case. So, so it should be a good one. Yeah. So I'm going to look up and see what. Uh, the records are while you guys uh, go back and forth about these odds. Uh, so St. Louis is a one point favorite, even one point at home. And the over under is 46. So you guys play with that. I'm going to look at the records real quick and see what I can't glean as far as what this game means exactly. So they're taking, uh, <sighs> I don't want to say the over on this, but I feel like the probability of these points to be scored is here if any game this week. That's just my opinion. Um, the, the spread I'm definitely not comfortable with. I mean, obviously, if they were able to... I'm trying to remember. I think the last matchup, uh, uh, the Battle Hawks had beaten Seattle by two. So, I mean, if that potentially became a scenario, then... Obviously, you know, it's all, it would definitely be go, going over that one that St. Louis is currently favored. So that's that part, the spread I wouldn't be comfortable with. Uh, don't even bother touching the money line unless you, you know, <laughs> you've, you've, you've got, a, you've got uh, four sets of balls and insider knowledge, insider, <laughs> insider knowledge. And you've, uh, Probably got a few thousand dollars sitting around. <laughs> you know, I like the spread because the fact that Seattle can't really seem to convert on many two, one, threes. They're not very good at converting after the score. So I think that I like that that plus one there. Just to be honest. But on the over under, I I do think there's a very good uh, prospective possibility that. It could definitely go over. Yeah, so I feel I wouldn't I wouldn't bet. I mean, again, this is a coin flip, right? It's within three points for the home team. So you know, St. Louis being being the one point favorite, that's a coin flip. I wouldn't put money on that. As far as the over under, I think the over hits. I think both teams are going to score well into the twenties, possibly one team in the thirties. The this what this game in terms of what this game means. So right now, obviously the defenders have locked up home field advantage. They're they're good to go. The Battle Hawks are six and two, and two and one. No, excuse me. They're six and two. Their two losses came against the defenders. So they are one two. So they're three and two in the division. The Sea Dragons are five and three, 
and they've lost both of their games to the defenders. It should be tied, right? Yeah, they'll be tied as far as over, as far as overall rankings in the standings. So they'll be six and two, and if Seattle wins, then they'll be both six and two, and it'll come down to the tiebreakers, which tiebreakers would be head to head, which they've split that. Then it would be best win loss percentage in division games, which I think St. Louis holds the edge in that right now. Uh, should it go past that, it would be strength of victory in all games, the combined record of uh, opponents in the wins. So basically, who had the the wins against the best opponents? And it, go, it goes on from there. Uh, but there's like eight or seven different things that need to happen before it gets to a coin toss, which would be scenario number eight. So, uh, yeah, a lot to play for, for, for both teams in this St. Louis wraps it up. If they win, uh, Seattle, you know, sticks their head in the race and then, uh, both teams next week look like they're going to win because Seattle plays against the Vipers and the battle Hawks play against the guardians. So, the odds right now are on the Battlehawks side to make it, I think. But, I mean, we'll have to see. It's it's It'll be close. It should be a battle. And I'm thinking that these fans in St. Louis are going to show up even more than previous games for this game particularly. I was yeah. surprised at the amount of fans last weekend there, just because of the holidays. Yeah, they've sustained pretty well uh, across their home games. It's been impressive, really. You know, nobody else in XFL can... can say that they've they've had any kind of consistency really uh, or any kind of growth from their original uh, home game houston had a thousand more at their last home game but that's i mean when you're talking about eleven thousand people that's not super significant st louis has been the class of attendance you know since the since the inception of the league so not a big surprise there, but it is impressive. So before we move on from the the battle of MVPs game, anything you guys want to add? Be careful what you do with your money this week. All right, that wraps up the game previews for next week. As we go into the power rankings with Drew. Keep in mind, these are his rankings, and he he makes these decisions. We trust his expertise and his knowledge, though. So, Drew, could you please present us with this week's power rankings? That is right. All of my <laughs> selections are correct and 100% inarguable. <laughs> no, uh, All supreme master. <laughs> right. So, uh, I could get used to that. No. Uh, so DC obviously going to stay at number one. I think after the battle that DC and Seattle had, uh, personally, I move Seattle ahead of St. Louis. Uh, I, I think that Seattle has a little bit more offense, very comparable defense, and they showed that they can hang with DC. That's something that St. Louis, unfortunately for them, was not able to do or was not able to show. They didn't hang with D.C. Uh, when they played them both times. So just in my mind, that makes uh, that puts St. Louis at three, despite the fact that they're playing this week to to even up the odds there for the second playoff spot. I think uh, so. It goes D.C., Seattle, St. Louis and then Houston at four. 
Houston has some things to clean up, but they're still the class of the South, so to speak. Arlington, right behind Houston, their defense is inarguably the best in the league. So that's going to keep them in games. Uh, Vegas comes after Arlington. Not a lot to say on them. They kept it close with St. Louis, even though they probably shouldn't have. But A.J. McCarron wasn't playing, so I think that plays a little bit against them. San Antonio, even though they came close to Houston, they still don't have very much offense at all. Their defense is good, but it's not quite in Arlington's league, and their offense isn't quite in Vegas's league. So they they come in behind Arlington and Vegas at seven, and then Orlando is still or is back to being number eight until they prove that last week was a was a fluke. So we've got DC at one, Seattle at two, St. Louis at three, Houston at four. Arlington at five, Vegas at six, San Antonio at seven, and Orlando bringing up the rear at eight. Our next portion of the show, the AmbushSports.net Players of the Week. This week we got two players from offensive defense. The first one is Jordan Temamu. He's a quarterback for the D.C. Defenders. And then we have Willie Taylor. He's a linebacker for the Arlington Renegades. Oh, um, Jake, I'm sure you want to tell us all about Jordan, right? (laughs) I played the fifth. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, you you can hate on the man, but he had a decent week. He had 260 yards with four touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah. I don't know. What kind of rushing yards does he have? Did anybody know? I'm not 100% on it, but I do know that – Really, offensively, he was far and away probably the best player this week. I think there were a couple of good offensive performances in terms of wide receivers. But, uh, I mean, Te'amu really was far and away the best the best performance. Yeah, he looks really good. I won't say he's the best in the, the league, but he had a really good week, league, yep. uh, week last week, no doubt. Hopefully that can carry forward. Uh, they've got a real good rhythm going in D.C. with their team now. At first, it was a little choppy, but now it looks pretty good on offense, at least. I mean, week over week, they they just keep improving and getting better. So, I mean, even even against Orlando, they they had a really good offensive week. So it wasn't. It's not like you know this is against the trend or anything. D.C. is is the team to beat, and a lot of that is because of their efficiency on offense. No doubt. Now let's talk about Willie Taylor. He's a linebacker for the Arlington Renegades. He had three tackles, one sack, one tackle for a loss, one interception, and one forced fumble. Uh, great player. We've been watching him since week one. Impactful makes a difference. Uh, we knew this about him in the Renegade defense. So anything to add? I mean, the, the Renegades have have – at least one player at each of the three levels of defense that that are you know apt to have that kind of performance any given week. He was dominant. I think him and I forget the the defensive back's name. He's number four, but he was the guy that fumbled the the kick return early and gave Orlando some some good field position. He came back and had a hell of a game. Uh, had an interception with with a big return. Couple of big tackles, couple of big break, pass breakups. So 
you know, it's no surprise that Arlington has a has a standout on defense, you know, in in the voting again and one that actually wins. So very good game by him. Before we close it out today, you guys got anything you want to share about these two players? No, just uh, congratulations to them and uh, keep it up. Do it again next week. Love to see it. So that wraps up the show. Um, yeah, we'll be traveling to Texas this weekend to watch that game. Drew and I should be a good time. Look forward to some Texas barbecue and maybe some Mexican food. Uh, Ooh, sounds good. We appreciate everybody for listening. <clears throat> Drew, Jake, thank you both for coming and being on. Uh, as always, want to thank Ambush Sports. Check them out on social media networks as well as online, ambushsports.net. You can find a bunch of different good sports stuff on there from fans as well as professionals. I want to thank XFLboard.com for putting us on their site and advertising us a little bit. Thank you, XFL Board. As always, I'm Matthew Tyler. This is my host, Drew Wells, Jake Leonard. We look forward to another great week of XFL football. And before we close out, guys, if you could tell the people at home where to find you. Drew Wells on Twitter at Ambush Sports H-O-U for Houston at Ambush Sports H-O-U. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, obviously under my name. Um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Jake Leonard, uh, J-R-N. And obviously, I still haven't um, figured out all the other social stuff for Ambush on my end, so uh, i got to get on that. Uh, outside of Ambush Sports, I'm uh, the editor-in-chief of Heartland Newsfeed. You can find that online at heartlandnewsfeed.com. Thank you, fellas, again for coming on. I appreciate you. We've got, what, four games left in total, counting the championship? It's been a it's been a ride, so let's finish strong, guys. We appreciate you guys at home listening too. Remember, any feedback you have, anything you want to hear, just message me or anybody here. We'll we'll get it done. Thank you all so much, and until next week, so long. Peace.